All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today once again, as always, in the bunker with Kelly. Kelly, how's it going today? Pants of biscuits, bowls of gravy, victory palms. This is a Bob Dylan podcast. We spend an entire week with a random Bob Dylan song. We analyze it. We watch it as it squirms around on the table. We try to grab it. It runs away. We try to whack-a-mole it. It runs away. It's a constant struggle. But at the end of the week, whatever we come away with, we end up talking about in this place right here. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of vehicles that run in each race of NASCAR's Camping World Truck Series. And today, we are listening to 1962's Paths of Victory. Camping World Truck. Camping World Truck. I don't actually Is it a Camping World Truck or Camping World Truck? The Mysteries of the Universe. The trail is dark and dusty. The road is kind of rough. But the good road is awaiting. And boys, it ain't far off. Trails of troubles. Roads of battles. Paths of victory. We shall walk. All right, Kelly, so that was Bob Dylan's Pass of Victory. We spent the entire week listening to this, this, I mean, wonderful track. How did you feel, in general, this sort of coloring your week? Nah. So I guess the wonderfulness that I just painted, not not so much. The bootleg one, especially, was not for me. It was just boring. But the, the Whitmark one. See, it's funny. I would almost say the opposite. Really? Yeah. Huh. yeah I found the Whitmark one more soulful and, like... Uh, yeah, we'll get to it later, but I mean the vocals on the on the um, the bootleg series one with the piano. Mm. Ugh. I mean, I love singing that. Yeah, the vocals are better. The vocals are better. Right. But then I also I like, like I like my give me a couple more a couple more um, you know, 20 30 seconds more and add guitar. Yeah, cuz he has like that fun laughing kind of thing every time he says it shall, which is really neat for the vocals, but yeah. The I like the other one better. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a I mean it was a great song compared to other songs that we've had. Maybe someday. This was a good oh, one, yeah. too. Yes. Yes. It, you, you didn't feel offended coming back to it. And no, that's all you got to say. Listening to it. So that's we sure. sat it down. We looked at it. It felt like a good song. It felt like a song I would enjoy hearing in today's world. It fit. Um, this song itself, though, is not from particularly today's world. The lyrics were originally um, printed before the song came out. So this happened a lot with Bob Dylan. He would write the lyrics broadside. Um, famous you know, New York magazine would print them. Um, so the, the lyrics for this came out in uh, issue number 17. Uh, he originally also recorded this for a broadside tape of some kind um, on November 26, 1963. Um, we did not listen to that. However, we did listen to the take, the piano take, which was from August 12, 1963. That could have been on Times They Are Changing, which was his second album. Um, but instead, he also recorded the Widmark demos, and that was from December of 63. So the piano version was the first one, the guitar version was the second one, and then goodbye. Hmm. Never played it again, never played it live, hmm. completely disappeared from the world. Um, like I said, it was recorded for the times they are changing. It didn't make it, and that totally makes sense. Once we get to the times they are changing, the song itself, some people claim they don't hear it, but it's basically... This song, three, four time, speed it up a bit, 
Time's Air Changer. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times they are changing uh, This would have been a weird song to put on it um, for two reasons. Not only for times they are changing the song, which once we get to that, we can listen to the parallels. So this will come up at least one more time in our entire conversation about Bob Dylan. But also the piano is really simple. And he plays oh, a yeah. song called um, When the Ship Comes In. Great song. Amazing song, actually. And it's that simple piano. And it's Bob's voice over it. Oh, the time will come up when the winds will stop And the breeze will cease to be breathing Like the stillness in the wind before the hurricane begins The hour that the ship comes in And the sea will split Probably a good call on his part to not put this on here. Also, it's got a lot of antecedents. I mean, as we'll talk about here when we get to Palms of Victory and what is it, Wayworn? Pans of Biscuits. Pa- well, yeah, Pans of Biscuits. Obviously. That came later, actually. Bloodwash Pilgrim or whatever. Bloodwash Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, there's a t- – which is amazing. I said I wanted to go to Halloween as a Bloodwash Pilgrim. Yeah. That would be amazing. So Paths of Victory is, is a great song. We'll get way more into it here in a moment. But – if you go to our, our website and you go to our Spotify and look for uh, the playlist, see that our playlist is kept clean, you can listen along with this podcast uh, to all of the different versions of Paths of Victory. Now, there's some great covers by the Birds of Detta, um, one with a sousaphone of Paths of Victory that I highly <laughs> encourage you to listen to. But also, incredibly, there's also a song called Palms of Victory um, that has been written that was written in the 1830s. That Bob Dylan is openly sort of playing with here as he's going about it. So before we get into paths of victory, let's talk a little bit of palms of victory. And also, what is a palm of victory? So Kelly, a path we understand. I think, you know, Bob Dylan's version is very simple. Walking down a path, there's a long road, it's a dusty road. It's the same hard traveling road that he's doing with Woody Guthrie. It's a straight road. It's a road that if you keep on, you're going to get to the promised land. But this palm's a victory. WTF, what's going on? Well, that's a great question. Turns out the palms are actually used in a lot of different cultures throughout time. Did you know that the Assyrian, which is a religion apparently of ancient Mesopotamia, uh, the palm is a sacred tree. Heaven, the leaves, earth, the base. And the date palm represented fertility. In ancient Egypt, palms represented the long life. Huh, or who, or huh, was always depicted holding palms. Palms care, were carried during funerals because eternal life. Yeah. Ancient Greeks, the word for palm is actually phoenix, which is pretty interesting. Uh, phoenix is also the genus of 14 different species of palm trees. Well, I think it, the, Roman, the, the phoenix thing is really interesting because like it, 
you'll we'll get to Christianity in a moment, but like just the rising from the ashes, like a phoenix. It's like yeah, so right if, after if, Jesus. If, you know, it's the, the if this is the idea. Lazarus. Well, even the Egyptians and stuff, right? Yeah. This is the idea of eternal life. So yeah, the word in ancient Greek being phoenix is really it's representative of that because that's what that is, right? I know it's crazy. Pretty interesting. It's very interesting. Who knew palm trees are fucking wild? They are wild. Palm branches started being awarded to victors in athletic competitions in 400 BC and onward. And the Romans, obviously, because they steal everything from the Greeks, started doing it around 293 BC. There's nothing more just pure about this podcast except for acknowledging that Romans did nothing <laughs> at all except steal from the Greeks. I mean, I mean that, that point has been made it's true. over and over. I can't wait for it to continually be made. I'm hoping... That I will be convinced after, you know, another couple, um, you know, 500 episodes or so. Oh, about to in my next point. Okay, good. Palma, which is Latin for palm, became kind of a synonym for victory. Regular, uh, it was regularly attributed to the goddess of Nike. The goddess Nike, not of Nike. That would be like some CEO somewhere, right? Phil Knight. There you go. You know names of things. Uh, so the goddess Nike, who was stolen by the Romans and renamed victory, uh, See, that's all I do. Was depicted with the, the palms. See, you see, that's the whole thing. I, I got it. There's a special victory palm tree toga, victory palm tree toga, worn by people who had triumphed in war. And civilians started wearing it to symbolize the end of war, or peace, if you will, which is how palms came to be a symbol of peace also. Judaism! Judean date palm seeds that are 2,000 years old were found in 1965. I know. And, and they, they were, were planted in 2005. That's fine. And the it trees sounds like something grown. seeds would do. Yeah. One of them's named Methuselah. Yeah, that's fine. Which is fun. Is it? Uh, Christianity. Palm branches are carried on Palm Sunday, whatever the fuck that is, because Jesus yeah. entered Jerusalem on that day. And that's yes. what we celebrate. That's what Palm Mar- Sunday which is. Which marks the beginning of his passion. Yeah. The passion of the Christ. Every time you imply that I would know this. Yeah, he goes in. He rose Lazarus outside of Jerusalem. That's when he comes out of the tomb or whatever? No, that's what. Yeah, no, that's when he dies and he comes oh, out. Jesus. No, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus is a person? Oh, jeez. Lazarus gets arisen from the dead. Jesus brings him back to life. And in celebration of that, he enters Jerusalem. And they throw him a huge feast. And it marks the beginning of the end. So the very quick end to him being, you know, put on the cross. Crucifixion party. Morning. Now, we will be on show as we go through the town. So let's not let the side down. Keeping a good straight line, three lengths between you and the man in front, and a good steady pace. Crosses over your left shoulders, and if you keep your backs hard up against the cross beam, you'll be there in no time. <laughs> All right, Centurion. Crucifixion party! Wait for it! Crucifixion party! By the left! Forward! It was thought, and later decreed, by the Congregation of Rites in 1688 that tombs with palm leaves meant that a martyr was buried there. But there's, like, no proof of that because sometimes people would have palm leaves well, on their stuff. But it's the idea of martyrism. It's the idea of victory over the flesh. That's what palms Well, yeah, because martyrs were often shown with palm fronds representing the victory of spirit over the flesh. Just sitting in our pews singing our little church songs, you kind of, like, we've dropped this blood and thunder of, you know, victory over the flesh. But it's an intense concept. And it's fascinating. I love that shit. Palms represent heaven because Jesus holds them sometimes in things. Pilgrims in the Middle Ages would bring back palm fronds from their pilgrimages to bring back to their home churches. Crusaders. Crusaders. And the palm 
is also sometimes known as the tree of the Bible. That was a fun fact that I found out on my own. Did not know any of that stuff. Islam! Islam. (laughs) Symbolizes rest. Palm trees around an oasis prove that water is a gift from Allah. Muhammad is said to have built his home out of palm. Palm, the palm appears on coins from Iraq and Tunisia. The palm appears in the paradise images of the garden, which is kind of like a combination of the Garden of Eden and like the idea of heaven. Well, in the Quran, they say that Mary gave birth to Jesus under a palm tree. That's nice. Under a date palm. What is it? Yeah, date palm. There's also an Arabic idiom above the palm trees, which is meant to mean euphoria or satisfaction. Fun fact, the Coco de Mer palm has the largest seed of any plant in the world. And palm trees don't form rings in their trunks like all other trees. So you're welcome to America. I saw a wayworn traveler in tattered garments clad. And struggling up the mountain, it seemed that he was sad. His back was laid and heavy, his strength was almost gone. It shouted as he journeyed, deliverance will come. Then palms of victory, crowns of glory. Palms of victory I shall wear. So the reason we bring up all of this stuff about palm fronds and palm trees and palms on flags, Poland palms, all kinds of stuff, <laughs> is basically to say that, you know, Bob Dylan, the, the religiosity of Bob Dylan is something that is on a big, long spectrum. And it's certainly happening right now. And Bob Dylan has certainly heard this this song which is palms of victory and instead of a path of victory we're talking about palms and we're talking about obviously religious connotations and probably christian connotations but obviously all world religions you know take the palm as something sacred which is kind of interesting now palms of victory the song though is kind of fascinating because we don't actually know who wrote it so there was a there was a reverend uh, john b matthias who was a Methodist Episcopal minister from New York. And there's no record of him ever writing a song, ever. Like, this is the only song that is attributed to him. But as anybody who's ever written a song in their life, it's like, you would have a lot of drafts of how shit you are as a songwriter before you hit the good song. It's not like a one-hit wonder that, like, oh, man, he finally got in the hymn book, bro. (laughs) Uh, it's, It's that you would have tried 400 before you got into the hymn book, bro. But then a lot of people have, have talked about it and they're like, no, it's all so hyper-specific that it's that they kind of rule out like a bunch of people adding on verses and stuff over time. Because t- typically it just becomes a little bit more watered down, a little bit more generic. But like this thing stays on a certain course, I guess, in other people's eyes. Hmm. So they, they do consider it written by one person, but they don't actually know who it is. It's also not often used in churches, which I also found pretty fascinating. Which I thought a lot when I was going to churches a long time ago in like 2005, 2006. I, I always thought like, why don't you just play Bob Dylan songs? Like those songs are – I mean they're terrible in the context of Bob Dylan. But they are so good in the context of what you're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Christian rock is so bad that why don't you have something with a little bit of substance? And this this song to me is pretty cool. I like this song a lot. But it only showed up in four hymnals from 1900 to nineteen ninety to 1966 it showed up in the mennonite church and sunday school hymnal of 1902 you got that 
No, you, you haven't read that? You haven't read the Mennonite what? Bible Church? What's a Mennonite? It also showed up. I'm sure you've, I, you know this one, the Glorious Gospel Hymns of 1931. Yeah. The Nazarene, yeah. That one I have. Yeah. That was actually uh, titled The Bloodwashed Pilgrim. So that's kind of where yeah. that started. Mm-hmm. Um, it also showed up in the 1954 African Methodist Episcopal Hymnal. And then also in the 1924 National Baptist Convention Hymnal. Um, so it only showed up four times in major hymnals that were like put in these churches of these denominations. And that's it. And it's sort of, it's obviously it's become more famous now because of Bob Dylan. I'm sure it's. I think last I saw it was like an 82 hymnal books now. Hmm. So it definitely rocketed because of things like this. You know, time certainly brings this out. I found that pretty fascinating. Um, I also, to kind of seg before we get into Passive Victory, now that we know about palm fronds. Trees. Date trees, date palms, all that kind of, all, all palms, everything palms. <laughs> and we know of palms of victory. I think it's also pretty important to understand like something else that Bob Dylan's working with, which is a tiny book in world history called Pilgrim's Progress, which you might not think you know right off the bat, but you probably have interacted with. It's kind of like the Bible. It's kind of like a lot of the major works of world literature where you don't under you don't really realize that your your favorite show is actually bringing that character or that idea or whatever it is into your into your life. Have you ever heard of Pilgrim's Progress? No. Okay. Um, so you're not big on 1678 literature. No. Okay. You're more of a 1679 and beyond person. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Uh, so it's a Christian allegory written by John Bunyan uh, in, in England. Uh, it's regarded as one of the most significant works of religious um, English literature. It's been translated into more than 200 languages and has never been out of print, which is kind of crazy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, cited as the first novel written in English. Uh, it was actually written from prison because um, our boy John was in prison for unlicensed preaching. Because you could not be a Protestant in England uh, during that time because uh, the Reformation had happened and it was Catholics as the day is long. Hmm. So you weren't allowed to preach because if you weren't, you know, the Pope, the Cardinal, whatever. So in this book, you know, the, the, the main baddie, his name is Pope and he's like an eight-figured monster, an eight-limbed monster that's like trying to kill. So it's really on the nose. Kind of rough there in uh, in England at that time. Uh, and he would actually leave prison after that, the glorious uh, revolution of 1688. I guess it's good, unless you're Catholic. I guess you might not be happy because they passed a lot of laws that said, if you're Catholic or married to a Catholic, you can't be in the government. So I guess that's bad. Oh, Jesus. Times are crazy, man. People were nuts back then. It's one or the other. But I guess we were killing Catholics versus Protestants in the 1970s in Ireland. So what do I know? I, I can't believe it's still a thing. Uh, the protagonist, his name is Christian, because of course it is. Um, his hometown is the City of Destruction, and he wants to go to the Celestial City. And this should be ringing St. Augustine bells in your head. St. Augustine wrote mm-hmm. um, City of God, where you know the City of Man is here, and you want to go to the City of God, which is heaven. So I think John Bunyan's basically just ripping off St. Augustine. So let's just be real a little bit. Um, three years after its publication, it was reprinted in Colonial America, and it was writ, writ, read by the Puritans then, and it has been read since then. So Mark Twain uses it in Huck Finn. E.E. E. Cummings uses it in The Enormous Room. Nathaniel Hawthorne uses it in The Scarlet Letter. Our boy John Steinbeck uses it in The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, Louisa May Alcott uses uh, The Girls Talk About It throughout the entire novel of Little Women. Um, Billy Pilgrim is the main character in Slaughterhouse-Five. And Alan Moore, who the, the comic book writer in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that he put together. One of the people bring Christian into the League 
Christian, our boy from Pilgrim's Progress, is up in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. 1678 fun facts. Oh, shit. How this is known, I don't know, but the first chrysanthemums were planted in Europe in 1678. Who knows? Excuse me. I'm about to sneeze. Elenia Lucreza Coronado Episcopia became the first woman. Excuse me. Uh, became the first woman to be awarded a university degree, a doctorate in philosophy from the University of Padua, which was in Italy. But not Italy, because Italy wouldn't exist for another 150 years. But yeah, she was the first doctorate, woman doctorate in the world. Wow. Which is crazy. So in September, Titus Owitz begins to present allegations of what's called the Popish Plot, which um, was like a phenomenon in England where this guy, this one dude, Tyler Oates, said that there's a conspiracy of Catholics that are going to assassinate King Charles II. Everyone believed him, and they killed 22 people, believing that they were about to kill the king. And later he was found to be a liar, obviously. And he was, uh, I think, only imprisoned. They didn't even kill him. On December 3rd, the Test Act um, says that the the House of Lords and the House of Commons of England must swear an anti-Catholic oath before taking office. (laughs) Catholics not coming up well. Uh, And Robert LaSalle, who we'll know here, especially if we're from the Michigan area and stuff like that, uh, he would just straight up claim the entire Mississippi River for France. Uh, as they were uh, running around. So he built his uh, Lake Rifton, and he was the the first known ship to sail on the Great Lakes. And this was all in 1678. So we got palms. We got 1678. It all coalesces together into one song, not from 1678, not from 1778, not from 1878, also not from 1978 this is from 1963 oh my paths of victory let's talk about the song Kelly. i walked down by the river i turned my head up high i saw that silver lining that was hanging in the sky Before we get into it, what, what were your thoughts about um, Passive Victory Beyond? You know, it was good. It was good. Good to spend a week with a competent song that knew what it was doing. Yeah, the bootleg version, it felt like uh, an ice cream truck song. Just because oh. the piano was so dun, 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 simple dun, 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 and repetitive. Dun, dun, dun. And, yeah. yeah, I could definitely hear that. Yeah. It's just upbeat. Yeah, the vocals were good. I, making the note of him have it sounded like he was having fun. Something you would have appreciated, though. Chorus for days. Ugh. See, I think I want these things, and then I have them. I don't like them. Yeah, it, the verses are way too short, yeah. and that's a chorus every three seconds. It is. <laughs> like, but, oh, pads are, pa- the pads are still on. Bob, just put them all together. Put all the verses together. Three choruses <laughs> would be okay. Seven, <laughs> seven will work. Seven's fine. It's a lot. It's a lot of choruses. A lot of choruses. Yeah. I had a hard time listening to the words because I just like didn't care very much because it was repetitive and it didn't. I don't really know what it was about. It's like. Somebody walking on a path, clearly, and they're having some hard times. That's about it. Yeah, it's a very simple song. Um, it reminded me a lot of, well, I mean, I said it at the end of last week. I was like, this could be, this is a, this is a fine continuation almost of Woody Guthrie month. Yeah. Um, gone but not forgotten. Woody Guthrie. Peace. <laughs> Peace then. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, it's, it's just a person on a long road where things aren't inevitable and you have to work for it. And 
yeah, there's all kinds of imagery. You know, the road might be rough, and there, but there are better roads waiting, and then it ends with the road might be rough, but the good road is waiting. So it's like there's somewhat of a narrative in there that, you know, you, you have to be on the lookout for the better roads, and then you'll find the good road. Without your love, I would feel guilty. Your kisses, dear, my feet will guide. Your hopes and dreams will light my path, dear. To meet my warden in the skies. To meet my warden. I did it at the beginning. He says, I shall. And then changes it to We Shall. Yeah. Well, he did that on the bootleg one, or on the Whitmark demo, yeah. but not on the bootleg version. Okay. So there was, I like that. I found that really cool, too. Mm-hmm. And on his official lyrics, he keeps it as the, yeah, as the I at first. But I found that, I found that fascinating. Because when it's all we, it's very different than I, as if I have to explain that. <laughs> but, but yeah, he changed it immediately. I don't know if he was going to just go with I, but forgot. It was like, oh shit, it's actually we. Maybe. Like, I don't know how all that went down, but... Or if it was intentional. Yeah, I don't know. But I... Yeah, I liked it. It was um, it was, it was powerful. It I, seems like if it was intentional, that's a pretty immediate, like, path, journey, whatever, for this person to take. Like, immediate growth. Yeah. In the first four-line verse. It's like, oh, there's a better world. Oh, wait, we as well. Together, We're we all can do this. Do this. Yeah. Wow. If that had been, like, I the whole time and on the last verse, you know, like, Ooh. we... We we'll got this. this. Yeah. Woody would have been like, but mostly I thumbs think it's up. a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it was right at the beginning, and it was once. it was right at the beginning. Yeah, but it was it was it was uh, it was weird, and it was fun. I I liked it. Um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the. I, I like the guitar version better. I, I don't know why. Yeah, me too. I, yeah, I, I, I'm saying the Whitmark demo. But I like his vocals on the. If you get the two together, that'd be nice. I know it'd be amazing. All that matters is the harmonicas on both. I also think it's a really simple song. I mean, it's almost. A completely cribbed song. You know, Palms of Victory, Paths of Victory. Bob Dylan has cribbed songs, as we've talked about many times. But he's always doing it under the guise of at least, like, I just got the melody, I just got the song structure, I just got the theme. But this is, like, basically the song, but just about paths. (laughs) Like, the lyrics are not, there's no depth to them, there's really nothing to it. Um, I think it, it, the, the chorus gets old after a while. It's a very supremely simple song. And, and and I think that 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 makes it listenable in a way. You're just kind of like, you know, we have 35 minutes of people just basically singing this song in our playlist. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I mean, uh, other than that one, the <laughs> Bloody Pilgrim one or whatever, that one I hated. Yeah. And we, I mean, so yeah, we listened to a few. We listened to uh, The Birds of Detta, Cat Power, which was awesome. And then we listened to Kaylee Breacher, Kaylee Breacher with uh, with the sousaphone, which, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, and that's got me thinking there are kazoo renditions out here. There are. There are. Uh, and I think that's the thing. Simplicity is really the key to, to this song. You know, it's, I mean, it's basically, I mean, the reason we talked about um, Palm. You know, palm fronds and date palms and palm trees and all of that. And we talked about Pilgrim's Progress and talked about everything is because Bob Dylan took a religious song and made it secular. I think some people quibble with that a little bit and, you know, want to play games around with it. But essentially, this song is nothing more than like, we are on a road together. And if we stick together, we're going to make it. And it got me thinking a lot, too, about this this week when you're listening to this. 
the bootleg series volume 13 has dropped where we are re-examining bob dylan in 1979 to 1981 where he released his three religious albums the thing about religion and bob dylan is really the contrast between the two of them so like i see paths of victory even in its super super simplicity is it's it's really challenging you to stay on the road it's like here's the road you stick on it it's not going to like i'm not going to appease you i'm not going to pretend that it's not hard traveling we got to be on this road if we're going to make it whereas bob dylan what we're listening to i mean what i'm probably listening to as you are listening to this is um you know 1979 to 81 dylan where you know it's not the times they were changing it's the lord was a returning <laughs> terrible That's, i'm sorry i said that uh, but it's also inevitable like it's an inevitability with bob you know the 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 world is coming to an end you can't change it uh, and if you don't believe then you're going to hell it's such a difference between paths of victory and the religiosity that he sort of like circumscribed to everybody in those three years and this song being a religious song and bob dylan as a kid seeing it for what it was and sort of inverting it on his head he certainly lost that ability to be subtle and playful as he got older and i guess that's something to lament because he he certainly gets it later on but during those three years it's kind of dark so I'm, I'm interested to hear it i can't wait to hear this bootleg but for me this the, all the religious songs are a slog and if and if bob dylan was singing palms of victory i don't know if i could stomach it based on everything that i know of his religious period but it's not fun it's not playful and even with this song it's not really fun i mean this poor person is like walking next to trains and like wondering about getting on the train <laughs> and maybe there's a bell hidden in there i don't know there's trains and bells bell. always bells but i don't know i feel hopeful i feel hopeful when i listen to passive victory and even just like wanting to get stuff done, like this week, it's been a week of getting things done. I've enjoyed listening to it. Just like Passive Victory, yeah, we are going to walk it. We shall walk. Trails of trouble, roads of battles, paths of victory, we shall walk. That is some shit. That is like some stuff you would sing going into fucking battle. Got some palm fronds draped from your... From your uh, from your neck or from your helmet, you're going into battle. <laughs> hopefully it's not a crusade-type battle because they did wear that with the crusades. Mm, yeah. So hopefully it's not that. And I guess that's kind of the beauty of it. It's I think this is better. a good one. Pop it on a playlist. You're not really going to be stopped dead in your tracks like other Dylan songs, but yeah. I think it'll pump you up enough as a piano-driven ballad could. <laughs> so Kelly, outside of uh, Pass of Victory, what else were we doing this week in the year of our lord 2017 <laughs> stranger things stranger things That's what we were doing. two Sorry. not stranger things one stranger things two stranger things two not I'm as sl- good boogaloo <laughs> uh yeah it's sad i really really love the show the first season and it's hard to combat the novelty of that and it, it's fine watch it it's still a great show um it's just so I've watched one episode. You recommend me to continue. Yeah. I mean, okay. yeah, it was totally worth watching. So. I say watch it before your phone push notifications somehow. Spoil everything. Spoil you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a little tropey, little trite. Like, there's nothing new. Um, so it does, like, the appeal from the first season where it's it is really, it felt really novel um, yeah. is kind of the shine's a little gone. But uh, still worth watching. Um Beyond that, though, last month, <laughs> I totally missed it because it was Woody Guthrie month, and I forgot about yes. everything. 
there's a video game that came out like fucking four years ago um, and was released on console last year. But it was Xbox's free game of the month last month. So this would have been really useful for everybody. Can't stress enough. Last month. <laughs> but it's called Gone Home. Um, I, It's an indie game um, made by Fulbright. And I don't know that there's ever been another video game that was made just for me uh, and other lesbians. But this is it. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing. It's absolutely, it's like two hours and... Uh, it's first person and you're investigating a spooky house. Um, the you play the protagonist is I mean only lesbians love spooky houses, that's true. No, 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 no. Like I you can't No spoilers. Just, I mean, it's hard. Because the game is so <laughs> short and the the only thing is the story. Like the, yeah, yeah. there is no there's nothing to fight, there's nothing to it's just the story. That's cool. And it's fucking beautiful. And it's set in Nineteen ninety six, I believe, in where else but fucking Portland, Oregon. No shit. Well, not Portland, but right outside of Portland. It's in the northwest. It's they were from Portland. Where? They allude to it. It's like some little wooded town. So it's not real, not a real town. I don't know. It might be. I don't know. It's not one I've heard of. But the point is, is Bratmobile features heavily in it. Like they play their music and uh heavens to Betsy, and it's just like the girl makes zines and it's just like it's a fucking amazing like all I've ever wanted was to go back in time so that I could be 20 years old in the riot girl scene in the fucking Northwest. And I came here 20 years too late, but I'm still fucking here now. And But you're dead inside. So. I'm dead inside. But yeah, it was just like a fucking amazing that sounds really fun. time machine. Can't stress enough. So Not good. free anymore on Xbox. Live. No, but I would I would have paid for it you had I known. It. And it's just like, I can't believe this game's been out for like four years. <laughs> wow, that would have been really impactful. Four years ago. It would have. Let's go. stress out about the things you learn about later in life if you're here for the first time on a bob dylan podcast don't worry it's okay it's okay you're in company people who don't know anything about bob dylan you can still you do it you can still do it. it's fine. learn and just yeah keep going keep going you can still make zines still make zines still oh i know bikini people kill? that still make zines oh fuck yeah <laughs> oh god bikini kill for days oh, i had man. a great i've had a great great week great week nice. great week of music uh so one one band i just want to shout out uh if you like indie rock um modern baseball it's a band, oh. yeah. So one of the players in that, um, I think the guitarist has a band called Slaughter Beach, comma Dog, Slaughter Beach Dog, and the new album is called Birdie. Very uh, personal, very lyrics are great. It's kind of like taking you on this journey. And I think Loki he proposes to like his girlfriend at the end of the album. <laughs> it's really great. I don't think that that's real, but it's really beautiful. Uh, and then I want to recommend a, an album called Introduce Yourself by Gord Downey. I did not know who Gore Downey was. I didn't know who. So he just passed away. Um, he announced that he had brain cancer like a year and a half ago. So everybody knew. Apparently he's a, he's a big Canadian celebrity. Huh. Uh, and a really, really gripping album. And apparently like he wrote he wrote it and it was like 26 songs, but every one of them is like to a specific person. But they're also very universal and beautiful songs. But sometimes you can really feel that. You're like, oh, that's a very personal moment. 
that he's singing about, and he was going to release it when he died. So once he died, they put it out. Hmm. The next, I mean, he died last week, so it came out on Friday, so about eight days or something after he passed, which is crazy. Um, and I just want to quote Brad Wheeler. I was looking through some reviews because I'd never really heard of him before. I was like, oh, I really want to know. And he, in the Globe and Mail, he, he wrote this. He said, quote, but where Mr. Bowie flashed a cape and disappeared with a dramatic flourish and Mr. Cohen offered something of a prayer, um, talking about Leonard Cohen and, and David Bowie, Mr. Downey's kind-hearted sentimentality compares more closely with the folksy manner of Neil Young's Prairie Wind, recorded after the singer-songwriter's near-death experience in 2005. It wasn't as gut-punching as, like, A Crow Looked at Me or something. It wasn't as gut-punching as the next one I want to recommend, which is a terribly sad and beautiful and really one of, like, I I don't even understand how this music is made. Julian Baker, you have to listen to this, called Turn Out the Lights. She is absolutely incredible. It is just her, some strings, and she will fucking destroy your soul. I don't know another way around it. She's just this beautiful singer-songwriter. I feel like, even though she's like a 20-year-old girl, it's that same feeling. Like, how are you writing songs that I just completely understand? Hmm. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've heard, if, if you listen to podcasts and listen to music stuff and you know Bob Dylan, you probably have heard, already heard a bunch of Julian Baker stuff. I'd recommend um, Stephen Hyden's Celebration Rock podcast. He has an interview with Julian Baker. I did not expect her to be such a delightful human being. I, th- I expected her to be so really sad. sad. Um, she is such a fun person. She just sounds so great. I, I would really love to see her live. So I'm hoping all the things will align. I just I love that Like I'm not going to play... I'm not going to play uh, fucking uh, no drums or anything like that. It's just me and my guitar and kind of this sad, somber, slow core type of vibe, which I think you would you would actually dig. And then I want to recommend two TV shows. One, Taskmaster. Yeah. I know I need to download it. UK baby. I love their panel shows. If you're from the UK, let's talk. I love <laughs> Taskmaster. I ate the entire five series up in a week. And then finally – to bring it all down, I've talked a lot about a, a lot of sad things. This one's not going to be cheerful. Probably one of the greatest things I've ever watched in my entire life. Vietnam. 18 hours. Ken Burns, Lynn Novak. Incredible, incredible documentary. Uh, we listened to the soundtrack. We listened to uh, – I didn't actually realize it was um, Trent Reznor. Hell yeah. Atticus Ross. Um, incredible. Yeah, we both listened to that. You haven't seen it. No, but if you've listened to Ghost, if you like Trent Reznor, like I do, if you listen yeah. to Ghost, it's very like similar. It's just atmospheric, and I don't know how that was put to a Ken Burns documentary, but it makes me want to watch it. Yeah, just because I. You should watch. It should be required watching for anybody who is an American uh, to understand what happened. I don't, I don't. You know, I've seen pretty much all of his documentaries over the years, and I'm blown about, blown away by what he can do with like Prohibition and the Dust Bowl two episodes. You know, like a good three hours, but. To do 18 hours worth of, like, you really hyperventilate with, like, the weight of everything. I mean, 58,000 people died in this war. It's almost incomprehensible. Today, I can't imagine all of my friends going off to die in wars. You know, like, I can't do it. And to and to watch a documentary about what it was like to be alive during that time and to have, you know, people go from, like, you know, gung-ho Born in the 50s, you know, America's great. And then to see what the fuck is happening. And also it, it does something interesting. It doesn't it doesn't just sit down and, you know, dwell upon the famous things that happened. And it doesn't just do it from an American standpoint. It doesn't – all of it's interspersed with South Vietnamese, North Vietnamese, 
everyone. Yeah, they talk about telling the, the all CIA the stories. Stuff? Every, oh yeah, CIA yeah. agents in there. Um, yeah, and the fall of Saigon is obviously the, the very last episode. And you know, the CIA agent guy, the last guy on there, was like, you know, I didn't. You know, the, they were trying to storm the Saigon complex because they wanted out. The North Vietnamese were coming. It was it was over, uh, and he was like, yeah, I had spent my entire career down here in this room, in this little complex. I never had to look at anybody. And on that last day, I had to watch their faces as I had to get on this helicopter. I was ordered to get on this helicopter to fly out of this complex and to leave them who we promised we wouldn't leave behind. Um, and it's, it's incredible. And, and to get us all the way to present day was also fascinating. I, I, I knew a lot about Vietnam, but I think the tagline here for anybody reviewing it is, I knew about Vietnam, but I didn't know this about Vietnam. And I feel the same way. I, I learned so much. And it, and I think at the very end, what Ken Burns does so well is like, you're not going to learn macro history from this. It's not about that. It's not trying to drill what Vietnam was in your head. Because Bob Dylan, I mean, if you love Bob Dylan, he's in every fucking episode. I mean, his music is the soundtrack to this entire movie. I mean, I think four of the ten episodes start with Bob Dylan songs. And I think six of them total have a Dylan song and all along the watchtowers on the last one, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix's version. Um, but they make the point that it's not it's not macro history that matters. It's micro history. It's John Musgrave. It's all the people that you meet that tell the story. That's what you get from Vietnam. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. I didn't go to any of the any of the war anything while we were actually in Vietnam. There's like tunnels in um, South yeah, Vietnam. I, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I, it's not for me. No, I, I don't know. That sounds kind of terrible. Yeah. No, they, they had the last episode. They really they talked a lot about veterans. Some of the people we followed went back to Vietnam and like are friends now with North Vietnamese that they were fighting because there's like just this. They were talking about it, just like vet on vet. It's like we understood one another and like there's awkwardness at the beginning because you're sizing them up and you're like, what are we both here for? But then you realize like we're just kind of we were both here. Like we're both we're fighting for something and it's weird now. And now it's 40 years in the past. It's so de- dead and gone. What were we even doing? And that's really the thing about Vietnam is what the fuck were we even doing? What was the point of it? Yeah. What was the point? There were there were anti-war people too who, who protested from the beginning that realized in the end of it, it's like calling every soldier that came back a baby killer was probably not a good call. And they feel terrible about that. Uh, just as soldiers feel terrible for the stuff they did. And then there's people who went to Canada. Uh, Tim O'Brien, famous, he ended the whole thing, and I couldn't help but cry because The Things They Carried is probably one of my favorite books of all time about Vietnam. And he was reading the a passage from that about the things that they were carrying. They were carrying fleas and lice, and they were also carrying keepsakes from home, and they were carrying the hopes and dreams of America and walking through this jungle where walking is just like a graceful act. You don't think about it when you're in Sioux City walking around. You don't think about it but when you're in vietnam this step could be your last this could be it so you're almost colliding on your legs and you start to see walking as like this beautiful thing they shared the weight of memory they took up what others could no longer bear often they carried each other the wounded or weak they carried infections they carried chess sets basketballs Vietnamese English dictionaries, insignia of rank, bronze stars and purple hearts, plastic cards imprinted with the code of conduct. They carried diseases 
among them malaria and dysentery. They carried lice and ringworm and leeches, patty algae and various rots and molds. They carried the land itself, Vietnam. All right, Kelly. <laughs> Speaking of harrowing and terrible lessons, we have some songs to pick. Do we? we I don't know. Songs. We just don't have to. <laughs> we just, just walk away Here from it right now. Here ended the podcast. All right. So this was a bounce victory. All right. 311. Kelly, give me some 311. Whoa. Amber is the color of your energy. Whoa. Something, something, something naturally. Pretty sure they had other songs. Whoa! Yeah, I'm gonna guess that they have other songs. They made me. There's this weird band. You're probably not gonna know. That was. I don't even know if they were famous. Just one of the friends I had in high school was really into them, and they have a song that's like, "One moment at the beach of San Diego, one moment at yeah." And every time I hear three eleven, I think of that song because it's like a beach rock song. I don't know what band is that. I'll never know. I just can't help you. We're kicking back poolside, down by the ocean side. One moment, in, one moment, in, one moment. Never <laughs> ring any bells. It sounds like every band that you would listen to. I, I did not like that band. What? Why don't you look up the lyrics? That's a great point. <laughs> like you know all the words. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> one out of four hundred ninety-eight. Four ninety-eight, Kelly. What do? What do we? What are you guessing? doesn't even matter anymore. We're under 500. Goal reached. <laughs> 236. 472. Yeah. 236. Oh, this is timely. So a little a little uh, baseball unit team. A baseball team. A baseball unit. <laughs> won the World Series yesterday. Was it the Dodgers? No, it was the other one. Who the played? Houston Astros. Oh. They won their first World Series. And we could have had a very timely episode called If I Ever Go to Houston by Bob Dylan but off of 2009's Together Through Life, which would would be our most current Bob Dylan song. But we're not. So we're going to 472. Is it a song about doctors? Look at this. Okay, so next week we're going to be doing a song called Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce is dead. Lenny Bruce, he's a famous comedian. I was going to say. Yeah. Bob Dylan wrote a song about him. Oh. During his Christian period. Oh. We're going to listen to it. Okay. This week. Oh. We are a real podcast. <laughs> I'm really sorry. We're a real podcast. <laughs> We're still here. Episode 37 next week. We have a website, SOTWpod.com. Yes. Twitter, SOTWpod. That's it. At <laughs> at SOTWPod. Uh, Tumblr is also a good place to go. Uh, next week, I want you to tell me about Lenny Bruce because I don't know anything about him. I probably know more than I think, but I don't know. Anyways, he died. Lenny Bruce is dead. Listen to the song. He's oh dead. Uh, so we'll be doing that next week. Kelly. Yay. Say goodbye. Pass a victory. Goodbye. Pass we shall a victory. Walk. Keep walking. Bye. Bye. Bye.